Ladies and gents, welcome to Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, brought to you by Funk27, Discontent Providers, and Global Butterflies, bringing trans and non-binary awareness to the business community. Go to globalbutterflies.com. Welcome, welcome to this Friday night edition of uh, A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's a bit weird, isn't it? A little bit strange being in this room. It feels a little bit airy, a bit rattly to me. Uh, I apologise for the audio quality, but let's just get into this for episode 237. Um, if it's your first time listening or watching on the live stream, welcome. Pull up a pew, pour yourself a beer just as I am to celebrate uh, the Yuletide period that is now upon us. Season's greetings to you all. Um, also, a doff of the cap to the, the veterans, the influencers in the house, to Mojo Sabian, uh, to Stu. Who else have we got in the live chat? Let's have a look. Um, Alex French, what's going on? Um, hopefully we'll have a few more uh, very, very soon. Um, I'll just start off by saying um, that this episode is uh, sponsored by Sainsbury's. Uh, fantastic food at competitive prices. And uh, and if you shop at Tesco's, you're a paedophile. Um, you literally like to touch kids. Yes, that's right. V veteran listeners will be, will be aware of the deal here. Like, I ask you guys to find me sponsors, right? Very kindly, I say, look, if anyone knows of any businesses out there that might be up for sponsoring a sort of up-and-coming, growing podcast that did, for a little while, touch the top 10 of the UK politics uh, Apple podcast charts, um, then, you know, just put, send them my way. Send them my way. Like, help me, help me to grow this thing with sponsors and support and so on. Um, you guys will know that, that that's the deal, is I ask you. However, if nobody finds me sponsors... I'm just going to read out fake adverts like then You just have to sit through them anyway. So that's that's the deal. All right. Like like this one. Um, this episode brought to you in association with or sponsored by Maxine Car Cleaner. For those stubborn, stubborn stains, whether it's your car or perhaps someone, you know, might be their car and you just want to help out and give their car a really good clean then you need maxine car cleaner it really is it's top stuff um anyway big big doff of the cap to uh to the patreons um once again i can see a little bit more chatter happening um happening over in the live stream if you've not listened to the podcast but like tuned in or rather if you have listened to the podcast on apple and spotify and you haven't made the leap over to uh, to youtube yet then please do because that's that is where it all goes on guys that's where all the comments are flying in the live chat the live streams um anyway let's let's get into it let's uh, let's once again try to make sense of the senseless what's going on out there what's happening in news world um, I'll, I'll give you a, a brief update from, from my side, shall I? I'm live streaming from my kitchen table, my breakfast bar, uh, because it's Christmas, guys, and it's a tradition for me to just sit and drink alone right here uh, to the sound of the sleigh bells. No, uh, I'm, I'm basically, I'm stuck here uh, and not in the cabin where I normally do the show from um, because the missus 
and my son went to Disney in Paris. And, uh, and then, you know, this, this political climate that we're in, this era that we're living through, uh, Eurostar kicked off. <laughs> the staff of the Eurostar all decided to have an impromptu strike or something. And then plus all of the storm nonsense. I don't know if you've seen all the like the, the, the vicious hyperbole storm that's been going around. Um, so anyway, yeah, between storms and the Eurostar stuff, they got stuck over there. And, uh, and I can't really be out in the cabin doing this with my daughter, who's like three, you know, upstairs. Like, it, like I could do. <laughs> I could just nip out into the cabin. I mean, it's, it's basically a shed next door. I could go out and just, you know, poke my head in every 15 minutes, you know, interrupt the show to just, oh, I'm just going to quickly nip on my daughter. Like, poke my head in and check every 15 minutes. But it felt, the idea of it felt a little bit the McCann's, you know? It just felt a little bit like, I don't know if it feels all right doing that. So, you know, I'm trying to be responsible and uh, I'll do it from in here instead. Um, But she'd probably be all right upstairs. She'd probably be fine. But if she did wake up and start screaming, like while I'm out in the cabin, like I wouldn't hear that because I'm deaf as, you know? <laughs> like on a good day, on a good day, like if you and I, you know, listeners, friends, if we're in a pub and you're telling me something important, like I'm probably not going to hear it because of all of the other like noise and clinking glasses and everyone else chatting. Like I, I would struggle to make sense of what you're saying or, or I just won't be listening. So I wouldn't hear it, you know, because of that because it probably isn't that important, is it? It's you. So it's, you know, but, you know, I'm hard of hearing anyway, is what I'm saying. So being in the cabin is like, I wouldn't hear her if she woke up, you know, and started screaming. Um, I would I would struggle to hear that. But here's right. Here's the really annoying thing about being a bit deaf and doing this stuff. It, it's like I could be in the cabin shouting into the mic at nine o'clock at night. And I am positive my neighbours can hear every word through my barely insulated walls of the cabin, right? I know they can hear it because they're right next to the cabin and my girlfriend can hear it from inside our house, like through bricks, stone, breeze blocks and insulation and then through the cabin, like, stuff and the insulation in there. She can still hear me shouting in the cabin. So I'm positive that my neighbours can hear it, right? So everyone can hear what's going on inside the shed coming out but I can't hear the death rattle of my youngest child above me <laughs> in here reciprocally. Does that make sense? It's not fair, this deafness thing. So anyway, here we are live streaming from my kitchen. Um, uh, before we get into like anything too newsy, I just want to say like normally, guys, normally on these Friday night shows, what I will do is I will say, you know, if anyone's got a question in the live stream, if anyone wants to throw a question to me and my guest, you know, just chuck it in the live chat and me and my guest will then answer your question. I thought tonight might be interesting, like, because it's Christmas, because it's the kitchen breakfast bar special, why don't we switch this around a little bit? You know, why don't we, I'll make this reciprocal. And uh, I'm going to ask you something, right? 
And you guys, you can think about it and you can pop your answers in the live chat and then we'll sort of go back through them again towards the end of the show. But here's my question for you guys to answer. What has been your favourite, or maybe that's the wrong word, most, like, it's not necessarily a favourite. What's your most prominent news story of the last year? It could be your favourite, something that you found funny, or it could just be a prominent news story that you found, like, extra jarring, like it really touched you, it was a bit too close to home for you for some reason, or... You know, or, or something that you thought was just disastrous and it really affected everyone and changed. Like, what has been your favourite news story of the last 12 months as we're nearing the end of the year now for this Christmas kitchen table special? So anyway, right, let's let's get into something newsy. I'll leave you guys to think about that and pop it in the live chat. Um, so something I saw earlier. Cheers, by the way. Happy Friday. Hmm. That is delicious. Um. Something I saw earlier in the news that uh, that struck me was that the Christmas number one this year has gone to Wham, guys. It's gone to Wham. Wham like George Michael, Wham, last Christmas is this Christmas's number one. So there's, I mean, that's, is that not weird to anyone else? Is, that, is it just me? Like, does that not... Like, I feel like there should be new Christmas songs by now, you know? Like, every year it's just the same 13 Christmas songs that came out in the 70s. Like, you know, like, I could, I could tell my kids that Jesus was born in 1978 and they would believe me, you know? Like, they would be like, yeah, well, that's, that's why there's just those songs then, because that was from the year that Jesus was born, right? That's the, that makes perfect sense, Dad, yeah. But then, you know, I suppose we, like we had the Mariah one, didn't we? That was in the 90s. And then yeah, I think the Darkness did one. Um, but that's, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like most of the years between the golden era of, you know, Slade and Paul McCartney did one, didn't he? And Shaking Stevens and, um, and Band-Aid. You know, like most most of the ones from that period, like I, I'm going to say like 1990 up to now, maybe like most of it's just winter ballads every year. All of those X Factor winners and pop idol fit like winners. It's just winter ballads. Like they're not Christmas songs, right? It's like East 17, Dina Carroll, uh, who was a huge guy that won the first pop idol. I can't remember his name now. Um, but most of it's just slow songs, isn't it? With a bit of ice in the video, <laughs> you know, like it, like it's supposed to be a time of celebration. It's supposed to be a time of Christmas parties and you know mistletoe and everyone getting excited. But every year since the nineties, like up until now, it, it's basically been like a pop group singing a slow ballad about how their relationship fell apart, you know, <laughs> like and then a few snowflakes. In the video, and then oh yeah, it's fine. That's that that be the Christmas number one. Push it out, push it out. And you'd end up listening to it like um, you know, driving on your way into work. And they'd be like, "Stay another, baby, if you got to go away." You know, sad songs, and you're trying to get in the Christmas mood. 
be listening to it in the car, be like, wow, you know, I, I was looking forward to Christmas for a second there. You know, I'm, I'm sorry you got your heart broke, but you're bumming everyone out. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too. Like, I don't know, man. Some, some people are into them, aren't they? Some people love a good winter ballad. Um, but I think the people who do love winter ballads, you should not invite them to your Christmas Eve party because they would be a buzzkill, wouldn't they? You know, you're trying to drink sherry over in the cup. We're trying to have a sherry here, Brian. Lighten up. Um, but yes, yeah, so Wham, George Michael, Andrew Ridgely, uh, Wham are Christmas number one, which sort of, you know, cements the idea, I think. That we've run out of ideas, you know? <laughs> Certainly, like, new musical ideas. We've just run out of stuff. It's, it's sort of like, um, you know, whether it's music or the Tories rehashing the same ideas or rebranding their political leaders as Thatcher 2.0 or David Cameron was trying to bring back right to buy, even though he hadn't built any social houses to... <laughs> to fuel the right to buy initiative, which was Margaret Thatcher's original thing, right? Like, it's just rehashing the same ideas, rehashing the same caricatures. Like, Liz Truss, Theresa May, well, heralded as Thatcher 2.0s. Boris Johnson was heralded as, you know, a Churchillian wonder and however ridiculous you think that might now be in retrospect. But, you know, it's just the same ideas, the same thing again. Like, it, it gets you thinking, like, it's late-stage capitalism. Is it really just a societal civilizational writer's block you know <laughs> like we just run out of stuff now like you've got your electric cars women have got the vote it's just yeah this is just how it is now you know and yes wham and number one again aid bloody wham do you know what i think it is though is um i think it's a tiktok thing you know with wham because it's um i, I don't know how familiar all of the audience are with these apps you know a lot of people just listen to podcasts don't they they're not really um uh, buried in the worlds of social media in the same way that perhaps content creators might be but um but you have you know tiktok you have snapchat and these apps a lot of what they do is, you know, videos, but then, you you know, you put filters over yourself and you can select some music that's used in the video, right? And they're clever enough to know that they've got to keep it fresh. They've got to keep churning out all of these new filters and select different songs. So you are constantly stimulated. But, but anyway, because it's seasonal, right, this Wham! song, and because they put these, you know, they it's a new playlist, it's a new song every week that they put on there then you know the the kids see this thing and they hear that song and you know they get familiar with it and then they go away and stream it or you know they find it on spotify or apple music or whatever and it rises up the charts or or actually do you know what like do do tiktok trends right and snapchat music and so like do they themselves actually count towards the top 40 now because that would be weird wouldn't it but I wouldn't rule that out. Like, that would not surprise me at all if now we've come this far 
that just the music that people select to put in their shitty video on Snapchat to accompany them like, you know, oh, I'm a bit cheeky. Look at me drinking sherry, fixing up the Christmas dip, you know. Is, does that music, even the music that your friend puts on their TikTok, does that count towards a play or a stream that then contributes to the wham rising up the charts? I reckon it could, like, that could be the case now. It's been a long time since I've cared enough about what's in the top 10 to bother looking at this, but but that would be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, like, you know, not necessarily for Wham. Uh, it wouldn't be weird. It's quite beneficial for Wham, but... Uh, or, or any other, like, older hits kind of, you know, resurfacing 30 years later, like the fucking Demolition Man. But, like... Like, surely, like, if if TikTok filters and music overlays on Snapchat and stuff, if they count towards the top 40, right... That would mean, presumably, like earlier, like earlier, to, right, here's, here's an example. Earlier, I did a TikTok where I was singing to myself around the house, right, about how it's been a strange year. Um, but my testicles have grown so much, my dear. I was just having fun, like singing around the house. Um, because truly, I am this weird, even in real life, like off, off camera. When I'm not doing punk politics videos, it's it's non-stop. I'm a prisoner of my own insanity. There is no escape. Um, where was I, what was I doing? Oh, yeah. So I'm walking around the house. I'm doing this, you know, just freestyling a, a silly little song, right? And presumably, technically, that could now become a number one, right? <laughs> like in the UK, that could... It, technically, it's within... The realms of possibility. It's technically possible that that could shoot to the top of the charts, right? Which means even the... the I don't know, again, how familiar any of you are with uh, the features on TikTok. But if I record a TikTok of me talking, you can remix the audio of me talking and use it on your TikTok and mouth along with what I'm saying, right? And then that becomes like a stream to the top ten. Thing. Like, it'd be wild, wouldn't it? Like, imagine if you're in the middle of bollocking your kid, you know? Or if you're in the middle of TikToking even, like, selfie-cameraing yourself, and you're trying to do a little, like, two-camera, like, monologue thing, and then your toddler annoys you and interrupts it, you know? And then imagine if you just carried on recording yourself by accident and uploaded it, but, like, it's you saying, like, oh, no, 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 come on now. Now, for fuck's sake, you know, leave Daddy alone a bit, all right? I don't, I don't bother you. When you're in the bath, do you? I, I, do I? Like, I? I just leave you and your little sister in the bath alone <laughs> for an hour. I just leave you alone. So can you just give me five minutes to do my TikTok, please? And then, you know, you upload that. Someone could remix the audio of it. It goes viral. And it would make your shitty parenting the number one single in the country. All I'm saying is that the possibilities there are, you know, endless. Um, and that maybe that somebody needs to do that and it would be a more entertaining Christmas number one than George fucking Michael. I'm just saying. Um, but it'd be weird for your kids too, wouldn't it? As well, like imagine, like if you did upload that, like you bollocking your kid and it became the number one, the hit single. 
It'd be strange for your children. Because nobody wants an unhappy childhood, right? <laughs> or a terrible father. But on the other hand, you know, if it did go to number one, maybe the royalties mean that you don't get saddled with the same student loan debt that all of your friends do, you know? Like, I'm just saying. Every cloud, maybe. Um, it would be weird for you, is, is all I'm saying. Um... Let's go for a, a quick a quick gallivant through the live chat, shall we? Um, how we doing? Uh, looks like we've got Shaz in the live chat there as well. Um, I'm going to scroll up a little bit. A few more people joining us now. Jeff True. Good evening to you, Jeff. Um, so uh, let's see. What are people's favourite news stories uh, of the year? I saw somebody say Henry Kissinger dying. <laughs> Which is, yeah, a bit morbid, a little bit, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know how I feel about, I, I, I dislike Henry Kissinger a lot, right? I am far from an advocate of the sort of military, uh, arrogance, murder, death, um, well, what's it called? What the Americans always uh, subscribe to, it's like, is it Manifest Destiny? where it's this sort of theory, this geopolitical theory that basically whatever America wants, America gets, you know, <laughs> and they're off the hook for everything. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a subscriber of that. Um, but I did like as much as I sort of have a dark sense of humor, I don't know if I can ever truly celebrate someone dying. But then on the flip side, I have been known to say on episodes of the podcast in my lesser moments, uh, that I honestly think the best thing for the United States now would be if all of the Trumps were wiped out in some sort of horrible car accident, some sort of fiery wreck. I think maybe that's the best route out of America's insanity right now. Oh, right. Okay. I've just noticed it was Mojo Sabian who said Henry Kissinger dying. Um, right. I'm just going to quickly, uh, quickly scan down Corey Taylor for Christmas. Corey Taylor is from the um, Slipknot band, right? I think that's accurate. Um, I, I saw an interview with him a few weeks ago where he was saying how, like, he sounded really at peace with the fact that he had completely ruined his back from years of performing. Uh, but he was totally zen about it. He was like, you know, it's time that I just reined this in and I've had a good time and I've really enjoyed myself and rock and roll and all like there was no bitterness there was no anger or regret or anything and it's just you know when you see interviews with people like that and you just think i like this guy you know there's something so beautiful about people who have either gone through something or are continuing to go through something uh exhibiting the dignity that i wish that i had you know he says Drinking alone in his Santa hat. <laughs> I wish I had that dignity. Um, Alex French says Kissinger was a tosser, to be honest. I mean, you can't argue with that, can you? You see, this is what I mean. The live stream is where the philosophical sense is spoken. It's where people who ha have something to say curtly and succinctly come to join what is turning out to be a veritable Christmas party. Uh, evening to Rachel Harris. Um, even, even to Kevin Grant, um, uh, where was I? What was I talking about? 
a minute ago. Oh, yeah, right. So if your kids, you know, became beneficiaries of uh, your Christmas number one royalty, which was just a recording of you bollocking your kids. <laughs> uh, how how on earth do we end up going down these tangents? I don't know. What, what was I talking about? I was talking about wham, right? Um We've ended up on student debt because your kids would be free from student. It'd be like bittersweet, right? Um, if they got the royalties from your bad parenting single. Um, speaking of student debt, uh, guys. Wow. I saw a jarring tweet earlier. Really eye-opening, you know? And I'd sort of equate it to something similar to what... Um, Boomers must feel when they are finally exposed to the horrors of the housing crisis. You know, like, like they were, they're aware that there's a problem. There's a problem somewhere in their distant, vague periphery. They've heard of the housing crisis. They've heard it's not good, but they don't know quite how bad it is, how life ruining and colossally unfixable the issue is though and it was like that with this with this tweet about student debt it was um it was some matey uh i i don't know who i should have made a note of it i'm, I'm getting better at sort of favoriting uh like tweets that i think are interesting but uh this one escaped me because i was like i was on my way to the shop with the little one and i, I don't know just distracted by parenting um and uh, anyway, so there was this matey and he he puts this tweet out and it was what I assume was his end of year student loan statement thing. Right. Again, cheers. Um, and it said, here's what you've paid towards your student debt. And it was like one thousand eight hundred something. And then there was another section which it said interest added. And it said 3,000. <laughs> so, so almost for every one pound that this individual has paid off of their student loan debt, they've added another pound back on, you know? In fact, it's worse than that. It's two pounds back on, isn't it? Because if it was like 1,500, they would have just replaced a pound and then added another pound on. So 1,800 pounds he's, he's paid and they've added 3,000 pounds interest in that time. Like how insane is that? And the guy was like, you know, if it was me, I would have been on Twitter going like, this is... But this guy, again, had the dignity I wished that I possessed. Um, he was like, I have a feeling this isn't sustainable. It's just really, you know, a calm tweet. But illustrative. He said, I have a feeling that this isn't sustainable. And I was like, whoa, you know, like... Like, I remember having a student loan. And I remember being ferociously irresponsible with it. You know, if I could be 100% candid with you. Like, I used I used it to pay for, like, some proper, you know, stuff. Like, textbooks, my car insurance so I could get to and from uni. But mostly, mostly, I just blew it on alcohol and having a good time. You know, like going out almost every night of the week and it, do you know what it was paid off by my late 20s i think it peaked maybe at about nine thousand pounds maybe and now i see this guy's student 
statement and i read other stories about it after like it, it was a catalyst for me it made me think i, I want to go away and then see how bad this is there's people coming out of university with like thirty thousand pound debts 40k 50k like debts that they're not even chipping away at <laughs> you know and it's like are we just going to pretend that this isn't a ticking time bomb guys is that what we're doing we're just like finger in is economics <laughs> that's the strategy now is it like, we're just going to loan these kids money and plow them into unresolvable debt, you know, that they can't even be bankrupted out of. Like, it's so hooky. Like, let's let's look at this through the, the lens of finance first, just the finance industries, right? Like, here is a here is a public service, right? University education. And these kids want to learn a trade effectively, right? They want to become a lawyer or a doctor or a programmer. And they're like, please, um, please, can I learn this thing that everyone's really desperate for that could uh, improve my life chances and, you know, social mobility and all that? Like, please, please, can I learn this skill? Go to this university and learn that. Please, can I do it? Well, yeah, yeah, uh, but, but you're going to have to pay. Oh, well, OK, that's... That's a bit weird because, you know, you, you don't really in a lot of other countries. In fact, I, I think if you're born in Scotland, you get it for free in Scotland. Well, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But you do. You definitely do have to pay now. OK, right. But um, but it's not outrageous, is it? I mean, it's just it's just to help keeping the lights on in the university, in the lecture theatre, isn't it? No, no, actually, it's um, it's an astronomical amount of money. It will rob you of your house deposit. It will, I mean, it would actually be cheaper for you <laughs> to hire a lawyer to pretend to be you as qualified you, who you then rent out to other people at a slightly reduced rate, like sub-employing a lawyer. It would be cheaper for you to do that than you actually to qualify and be a lawyer. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that, that sounds horrendous. I mean, it, it's easy to pay back, though. You're going to be reasonable about paying it back. No, no, it's impossible to pay back right okay but if i if i really get in trouble i can still declare bankruptcy right no <laughs> no this weirdly weirdly this is the only loan that you can literally never escape from it's just fucking there it's like saddled around you for life <laughs> it's like like how is that not loan sharking do you know what i mean let's just call it what it is all right, they're lending you money that you never really wanted to borrow in the first place. They're jacking up the interest on it. And there's no fucking escape. That is a loan shark. <laughs> Not an effective way to educate your population. I don't know, man. So that's through the financial lens, right? But then we get into the whole you know, aspiration business. Because the Conservatives are supposed to be pro-aspiration, right? Like, that's one of their pillars. It's like, we're the party of aspiration. Like, the second anyone talks about taxes on private schools, that's the, that's the first thing they wheel out, isn't it? You know, oh, this is a tax on aspiration. It's like, all right, if you say so. <laughs> How, how is this not the very definition of anti-aspiration? 
if it shakes out like well, what 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 would you like to be what, what was it that you wanted to be um I, I wanted to be a doctor oh okay so how come you're working in little you know like like there must be some people like this is the wild thing man like it's like there must be people who've actually worked it out like mathematically and if you went and did a vox pop with them they would be like yeah well my friends went to university they qualified as doctors and actually they're all effectively working for about 13 pounds an hour now and they have the 50 grand debt so even though i'm here working at little bizarrely I take home more money than they do. So, I mean, it wasn't my first choice as a career, but, you know, like there must be people in that situation. Like that, that is how bad they've let the student and NHS situation get to now, to deteriorate to now. Is that you've got people on six shifts a week in a supermarket on some serendipity shit, you know? They're like, well, yeah, my, um, my calling had a funny way of finding me, but, but I'm glad that it did. You know? People working in Lidl are now more likely to have money to invest in the stock market than a doctor, like, graduate lawyer guy, probably. I don't know if that's true. I just sort of made that up, but probably true, right? Um, I mean, mathematically, how could it not be true? Anyway, let's uh, let's have a quick look in the live chat once more. See how you guys are doing. Um, Stu says Moan is being a victim whilst the HMRC chase benefit fraud. That's the story that irked me most. Yes, mate. Yes, I feel the same. In fact, um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Sean from Drowned in Sound, um, he produces the Troll podcast as well. Uh, he put out a good tweet the other day. He said something along the lines of, and I apologize, Sean, if you're watching, um, I'm going to butcher this completely. But he said something along the lines of, he said, imagine if the Tories cared as much about the 60 million that Moan took, like that her husband took and then gave her half of that, that tax money. He was like, imagine if the Tories cared as much about that missing 60 million as they do about somebody on universal credit down the end of the road, that they might be taking an extra pound or they might not be registering their cleaning job that they get cash in hand. Like, it's insane, isn't it? It's so illustrative as well. Like, if you read a tweet like that that puts it so perfectly and succinctly, um, it really hammers it home. And you're right to be irked. Um, I, I, I felt exactly the same. Like it's, it's one of these weird situations where your friend tweets something and it makes you fucking angry. <laughs> but it also like normally if a friend makes you angry is not a good thing. Right. But it's one of those few situations where your friend making you angry is a sort of positive. Um, Kerry's joined the chat. Hey, Kerry, how you doing? Um uh, Kevin Grant says, that sounds so hard to believe. My son's got a student loan. I will have to ask him about this before I can believe it. Well, I mean, honestly, go out, go out and have a read about this stuff. It truly is terrifying because if this guy's tweeting that thing one time, and this isn't the only time I've mentioned, uh, mentioned that I've been exposed to people um, 
being stuck in this rut of interest payments eclipsing the amount that they're actually paying off. I have seen it before. Um, if if there's this guy posting it and this other person that I vaguely remember posting it, that means there's probably about another 10,000 or 50,000 that haven't bothered posting it who are in exactly the same situation. Now, if you take 50,000 people who each owe 50,000 pounds and none of them are paying it back or cannot hope to pay it back, suddenly you have a bit of a fat liability on whatever the student loans company is now in terms of a bank. And if that bank is an offshoot of the treasury or the treasury have some sort of liability there, there's some sort of connection. If there is a default, which obviously there will be with that number of people, we potentially, as a uh, a country's economy, could be in a real sticky situation. So it is something that needs talking about. And it's astounding to me that nobody is really ringing the alarm bell. But I always have to factor in that it is entirely possible that I have completely misunderstood something. Um, it's that sort of like one of these moments where I, I, like I pat myself on the back for being at least a smidgen of self-aware do you know what i mean it's an affliction that doesn't seem to trouble many conservatives i've noticed it's like they'll just happily go on a podcast or a panel or news night and clap their gums talking utter nonsense and it never inhabits their brain for a split second that they may have misunderstood something they're so defiantly confidently arrogant about everything whereas i'm just sat here going i mean it does sound like now now he said that like maybe i should think it through a bit but I, I'm going to say I'm 70-30 sure that this is the situation. So, um, uh, anyway, let's let's continue, guys. Um, don't forget to, if you haven't commented yet and said what your uh, uh, what your most jarring or prominent news story was for this year, uh, do share it in the chat, and I will come back to a few more towards the end of the show. Um. I mean, it could be like there's so there's so much stuff that's happened this year, isn't there? Like uh, Suella Braverman getting the sack. That was a big thing because it seemed to sort of crescendo, didn't it? Over a, a space of weeks and months, a lot of people were saying, um, uh, you know, he's he's got no choice. He's going to have to sack her. And then she just like cling on. And then the news cycle would move on and she'd somehow survive. And then something else happened. And then I think it was a cenotaph, really, wasn't it, that did for her. It was that sort of racy... EDL rioty kind of thing that I think within the next was it I think it was the Monday morning she was gone after that and then yes we've had the Baroness Moan stuff we've had Trump's first indictment was earlier this year uh we had the Russell Brand story like how insane was that like I'd heard these rumors about Russell Brand for at least a about three or four years so i knew something was bubbling and i'd seen these sort of like uh cryptic tweets about him and i thought how long is it gonna be like it's gonna happen um and now i really wish that i had like you know pre-done the podcast or pre-done a video about it but um but never mind shoulda woulda coulda right um what else has happened this with uh, the king's coronation uh penny mordant with the sword <laughs> It's just been like, I feel like this year has just been a carnival of just that shittery, you know? Uh, Matthew Perry died. There's just so much stuff has happened. Um, I think my favourite story of this year, I'll give you my one quickly. Um, 
I think my favourite story, and favourite is the right word here. I don't need to use jarring or prominent or anything. This was, without exception, my favourite news story, guys. This is the, the tap dancing topper. <laughs> tap, dan tap dancing topper uh, award for the year goes to... Do you remember the Philip Schofield thing? <laughs> The Philip Schofield leaving this morning story was my favourite story of the year, without question. The others aren't even close. It's it's up here. It's like the others are like supporting cast members to the protagonist that is Philip Schofield. Like that whole thing was just a perfect cocktail of media and sleaze and scandal and two people who obviously hated each other <laughs> by this point trying to play nice you know and i like i don't mean the lad that he was like plowing <laughs> into the next dimension plundering in a south bank apartment whom he later cut adrift just just boned and bent is what he did he just <laughs> just humped and dumped an 18 year old when he was 50 over 50, I think. You know, and then wondered why this younger individual wasn't emotionally mature enough to handle it. Was like, was my read of the situation was like, oh, I don't know why he's, don't know why he's being so weird about all this. Like, because he's 18, you idiot. But I loved, I also loved the, the stage managed aspects to it too. You know, I loved how him and Holly had quite clearly fallen out. You know, his lawyer was talking to this morning and her agent and she had some sort of issue. I don't think we know still if it was that she had found out or something had bubbled up about, you know, the 18 year old or, or other younger members of staff or, or something. I, I'm not sure what it was, but it was clear that they didn't like each other any longer. But it was also reported that he was just refusing to leave. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember all of this. Like, substance is it's difficult to keep hold of, isn't it? Because everything moves so quickly. And like I say, like, it's been a year where a lot of, has happened. Um, but it felt like like him refusing to leave and the lawyers... Like, it felt like it wasn't... Like, it wasn't not Anchorman. <laughs> like, was it? Like, it felt like a sort of entitled Will Ferrell kind of guy you know refusing to go and then and then the horrible story did you know kind of blow up and uh you know then he was like actually do you know what a, a bit of time off might be might be nice about that <laughs> like, and then it was like people posting memes like the meme layer to it was just legendary so many people posting so much funny shit and you know, it was like there. Was, I saw one where uh, do you remember the episode of this morning? Th this went viral. It's a few years ago now, where Philip Schofield uh, was at the height of the sort of pedo gate stuff, where all of these MPs were allegedly pedophiles, and stuff had gone on in the nineteen seventies and eighties, and MPs and Tories and Lords had gone to these little houses and done whatever with little kids and. Uh, there was a lot of hysteria to it. A lot of it actually got, I mean, look, you could say it's a conspiracy and it's a whitewash if you like, but it appears, if you are to believe the official line, that a lot of it was just hysteria. Um, 
Although I think that didn't the Home Office lose like two hundred files, like <laughs> two hundred very important files relating to stuff that went on. Like, whoops, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I just can't find them. They've just got walkies anyway. So maybe it is a conspiracy. Maybe I'm just talking out my bum, but um, but it was at the height of all of that, and Philip Schofield pulls out this bit of paper, uh, and it supposedly had. Uh, it was a list of names <laughs> and all of these like Shinders list memes came around like around then uh he gets he gets memed out quite a lot doesn't he uh and he passes this list to the then prime minister david cameron he's like look this is a list of alleged sex offenders what what are you going to do about this list to david and david cameron was like well I, there's not really much that i can do about that list uh, that you say are sex offenders on it anyway like and then it comes you know bubbling up that Philip Schofield has been banging an 18-year-old. Um, you know, and then I saw this meme at the height of this year's scandal where uh, it's like Philip Schofield handing, he's like, what are you going to do about this list of sex offenders? And he hands it over to David Cameron and David Cameron looks at it and it just says Philip Schofield. <laughs> and he looks up and then Philip Schofield's like laughing with his hands up like that. It's uh, it's ridiculous, you know. But in the darkness, we find light on this show, don't we? Um, so yeah, I think I think that was my favourite story uh, of this year uh, because do you know what? I think because a lot of what we do on this show and on YouTube and with people like Tan and Danny Price. Because of like so much of what we do is like political, right? Westminster focus, the Tories, satire. Like sometimes it's just nice to get a bit of a break from the core politics of it all, you know, and just to, to get knee deep in the muck of pop culture, you know, in the filth of, of totally inoffensive family-friendly daytime ITV presenters and what they get up to once the cameras are off. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just fun to see it, you know, the scandal of it. The titillating factor, maybe. I don't know. Like, I remember doing this at the time. I remember thinking when the Schofield thing blew up. I remember thinking, you know, at that time, if this was Russell Brand you know, or like a 40-year-old man, you know, copping off with an 18-year-old woman, woman, girl, um, you know, people wouldn't really bat an eyelid, would they? And then you could imagine Schofield being like, well, hang on a second, well, that, that's not fair. You know, I've, I'm, I'm with this 18-year-old and he's with that 18-year-old, you know. But it's kind of like, it's the, the, the weirdness of it is in the fact that he's this wholesome ITV presenter, you know, I think that's where it comes from. It's like, you're supposed to be family-friendly, Phil. You know what you do? Yes, this guy over here could do that. That's because he, he hosts Big Brother's Little Brother at 11 o'clock at night. It's raucous. It's raunchy. He's a bit of a bad boy. And rock obviously, this is before Russell Brand was then outed himself as a serial sex. I mean, it's, it's like sort of cyclical, isn't it? It's like Schofield hands the list of sex offenders over the, then he gets outed as copping off with 18 year olds with a gross power dynamic and lying about it and then 
you know, he's pointing over at Russell Brand. Well, how, how come he gets away? Then Russell Brand gets blown up into being a sex offender. Is there not one TV presenter that hasn't done something horrendous to people half their age? That should be like question one on the application form for like the Channel 4 and ITV Presenters Academy or whatever, you know? But yeah, I don't know. I also remember thinking at the time, I don't know if it was on a podcast or a TikTok or something, but I remember thinking it was just like, you know, maybe there was an element of ITV just being mad twitchy right? about anyone doing anything sexual after John Leslie and Michael Barrymore. You know, like they're like, no, you can't invite an 18 year old intern round to your flat to suck your dick, Phil. What else is wrong with you? Patch it in. You know, they do not want another Barrymore or John Leslie on their hands. Um, but that's exactly what they got, wasn't it? So anyway, I, I feel like that was my, my favourite story. It had everything, guys. It had, you know, friends kind of breaking up, him and Holly, and the jealousy between them. It had lies and sex. Uh, you know, y you might call it trashy TV gossip, or whatever. But, you know, the themes were Shakespearean, I think. So um, anyway, I've been rabbiting on for a while now, guys. Uh, let's go back to the uh, to the live chat. Um uh kevin grant says i know exactly i wish scotland voted for independence and rejoined the eu so i could get a dual passport mate i don't want to brag i've got an irish passport um i don't think it's actually any good to me because as much as i've been lobbying hard to persuade my girlfriend to let me uproot our family and just get on a plane and move to like i don't even really want to move to Ireland. like i would move to ireland to get out of the uk but I would rather go to Portugal because I'm going to have friends living over that way. And it's got a very liberal outlook and drug policy and all the rest of it. So I'm I'm like, and the weather would be great, you know. But I, it's yeah, like trying to move some sort of like biblical stone up a hill, trying to persuade my girlfriend to leave the UK. I'm like, why do you want to stay? What do you... What what positives are there in this country that you want to hang around for? Do you think? Do you, tell me tell me one thing that you think is going to improve in our lives for staying in the UK in the next five to ten years. Um, it's funny. It's like I just cannot persuade her. She's absolutely locked down. Um, so yeah. Whereas I. Could happily be a rolling stone for the rest of my life. I don't really get like that rooted down uh, feeling. Um, would it be cost effective if you paid off the loan in one go, or can't you do that if you had a decent job? I honestly don't know. Um, Richard says uh, COP twenty eight was an absolute flop. Yeah, I think they did. They agreed something, didn't they? But it's like every other COP conference and every other prime minister's speech. Um, and every other BP press release, they all say that they're delivering on green initiatives. They all say that they've got the environment first and foremost in there. But, you know, if we look at Sunak, Sunak said that his kids were committed environmentalists. He, he was like, I've got two very committed environmentalists in my daughters at home. And I absolutely want to make sure that this country, uh, this um, 
world is in a good state to pass it on to our children. Like he said all the right things, but then what did he actually do? <laughs> when, when push came to shove, what did he do? Did he sign off a load of green initiatives, solar farms, wind farms, renewables? Uh, did he regulate new homes to have the right kind of insulation and heat pumps? No, he didn't do any of it. He literally just signed off 300 oil and gas drilling licenses. Um, so they say the right stuff. They very rarely do it, I've noticed. Um, Blue Badger says, I'm catching up at two times speed. I've got a student loan. I think of it as, an imaginary, as, as imaginary, as it only matters if I earn more than 48 hours a week or 23 years plus minimum wage, which is less than 25K. But this is the thing, Blue Badger, is you shouldn't have, like, 25K isn't a lot of money. So I think the average UK salary now is something around 30 or 33. So that is they're effectively pushing you into poverty for the rest of your life. You're being punishing, uh, punished for the mere crime of wanting to go to university and ironically to better your situation. And they're like, nah, plebe, get back down <laughs> the poverty ladder. Little oik, how dare you dream? Um, uh, let's just take a couple more comments. Um, Mojo says, I'm founding a company that supplies pitchforks and flaming torches. <laughs> I believe it's probably the only growth market left. I, yeah, I, um, I happen to agree with you. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot, probably quite a lot of demand for those tools in the not too distant future. I'm, I'm always surprised that things haven't kicked off already. Um, but, uh, you know, here comes my self-awareness, uh, marching band again you know maybe i've got it all wrong maybe everyone is actually really happy with how society is and i'm just losing the plot a bit um guys just before i clock off for the evening um i just want to say uh a big thank you really to to everyone um all of you who download the podcast when i put them out uh and i you know i pop on the portal thing that i manage it through uh, twice a week and I like the thing that puts it out to, to Spotify um, and I see the numbers of people you know grabbing it and and more and more people are coming over to YouTube which is great um, and you know every, everything's growing and it really means the world to me um, because like honestly I just I sort of started the podcast a couple of years ago as a way to keep myself sane in the pandemic and to have something that felt like a social life, you know, like from having been marooned by fatherhood pretty much and having next to no childcare. Um, and then the podcast kind of turned a bit more political, you know, it started off just tech and talking rubbish and having a couple of beers and stuff, but then it got a bit more political and the YouTube stuff kind of came from that. And anyway, like now, now it's going pretty well. And, uh, you know, I fully consider all of you guys who tune in and who jumped on the Patreon, uh, to be a part of it. And, um, you know, we're very, very much a little team, a team of influencers, a little cult, if you will. Um, so, yeah, here's to you all. Um, thanks very much for tuning in this year. Cheers. Um, I'll be back doing the alternative paper reviews on YouTube uh, sporadically over the next few days. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to get enough time away from the kids over the break to be able to get out and do another podcast. Uh, it may have to wait until the new year now, um, but ho hopefully not. Hopefully I'll be able to get out there uh, one, one or two nights um, uh, without worrying 
that I'm about to McCann, my youngest. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's it from me for now. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we're out this Mother Hubbard. Mm -hmm.